Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Cross Culture Podcast, where we have conversations to help Christian leaders create a cross culture in their church. Wherever you're listening from, we hope that this conversation helps you take the next step of embracing God's beautiful, diverse vision for your church. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the next conversation in the Cross Culture Podcast. I am Philip Pinckney, pastor of Radiant Church, and with me, as always, is Will Plunk, pastor of Grace City Church. Will, where are we going today? Yeah, we're hitting with a question um, that uh, I think a lot of people are probably asking and thinking about surrounding this uh, cross culture, uh, really collective, and it's must every church be diverse? Mm. Must every church be diverse. Okay. You know, diversity defined by Emerson is where the congregation is um, no greater than 80% uh, made up of the same ethnic group. Okay. And so the question is, must every church be diverse? All right. All right. What do you think? Solid question. (laughs) Solid question. I know you and I have both heard this several times. Uh, So let let me start with the answer that I think is at the surface level of my mind when I think about that question. Um, I think the answer, I've even given this answer a couple of times, is that I believe a church should reflect the diversity of its neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? If you have a building in a particular place, you draw a five to seven mile circle around that. The demographics of that circle should be actively pursued to be represented in your church, right? Black, white, rich, poor, single, married, uh, Democrat, Republican, independent, like all those things, all those layers of difference and diversity, like you should be actively pursuing that to be your reality in the church. Now, have you heard that before? I've heard that before. And yeah. I think that answer kind of creates some tension for some. Yeah, it, it sounds good, though, right? It sounds good. <laughs> it sounds good. It sounds good, but most churches aren't actually actually reaching the demographic rights surrounding their church I, I in our modern culture. I think that's the tension is most churches, exactly what you just said, like the building is no longer the nexus of community. Mm-hmm. For most churches. Yeah. And I think that's actually going to continue to trend where people are driving from outside of the neighborhood to a building to meet yeah. from people who are also outside of the neighborhood. And so. Yeah. Um, so that's what you mean by nexus. Yeah. The nexus. <laughs> we got we to use fancy words. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> uh, so I think that's yeah. the that's the because back in the day, not even that far ago, uh-huh. you went to the neighborhood church. Right. And churches strove to be neighborhood churches. Absolutely. Um, and I think even my thinking over the last five years as a church planter, my thinking has evolved on that. I think when I first planted the immediate geographical surrounding was my highest priority. Mm. And I, and I think that's where I started. So I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, I think as I've grown in ministry and matured and also as demographics have changed, I think the reality is churches are meeting places for people, not necessarily communal meeting places. Like it's not like, hey, I'm going up the street to the community meeting center for church. It's I'm getting my car driving 15, 20 minutes outside of my community to meet with people who may not be geographically connected to me, but maybe values wise. Right. Uh, maybe uh, teaching wise, uh, maybe all the the layers of just things that people are looking for in churches. Um, I, I think that's the reality. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. I think I think we're going to live, especially in our kind of politically divided age. I think people want to go to safe places. People yeah. want to hear truth. People want to hear the preached word. And sometimes you have to drive past a few churches 
to get to the church where that really connects with you. Yeah. Have you found that to be absolutely? I mean, you think about historically first, first Baptist, second Baptist, third Baptist, first Presbyterian, second Presbyterian, they were just going to, to the next year. They were planting the next church across the, across the river, Mm -hmm. the next side of town. And it's no longer like that. Yeah. But I think if, if the answer can't be solely based on the circle we draw around the church, Mm it kind of, it kind of produces some tension. Yeah. When we go, must every church be diverse? Well, sure. what if, what if I'm actively reaching a homogenous group ethnically because they're driving past some churches and I'm having an impact with, with this group. And mm-hmm. even I was having a conversation with um, a friend who's an elder at another church. And he even said their church is a 10, 15 year old church plant. And he said their church started off with the intention of reading, reaching a specific demographic of person, mm. which were actually wealthy white business owners Praise and God. businessmen. Who doesn't want to reach that demographic? <laughs> I know. Right. He was like, he was like, I know it's like, he's, he literally said, I know it's bad to say that today. He's like, I shouldn't say that. He's like, but that was, that was an, an unreached people group in a sense in the place he was. And so they, we set out to reach, mm-hmm. to reach that demographic. And I know of a church, you know, in the Atlanta area, they had a, visual up in their building. They would talk about their staff where they were trying to reach this type of person. This was their aim, a singular person. Y'all go Google, uh, go look up the homogenous unit principle when it comes to church planting. There we go. Um, because that was the way churches were planted. That's mm-hmm. how you grew a big church. Uh, so, let, okay, before we jump into the ecclesiological extreme <laughs> yeah, of yeah. thought, because uh, we, we both have lots of thoughts on church planting in general. Uh, but let me, I think that applies to this particular question about must a church be diverse because now you no longer, it's a little more complex than that. Mm-hmm. And to add to the complexity, the word must is, is for mm-hmm. me key, <laughs> key in this conversation because most pastors I've talked to when they've asked this question, they have asked those imperative laden type of questions. Mm-hmm. Must a church be? Do I have to be right. Uh, and, and to me, that also adds to the complexity because that makes me stop and not want to answer the question first, but maybe ask another question myself. Yes. Um, and man, this this gets into the weeds a little bit. But here we are. When a pastor begins to ask or a Christian leader begins to ask, what do I have to do? Ooh. That to me already triggers some red flags. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh that should be already makes me feel a little like uh, we don't we're not having the right conversation right. when you're when you want to know what the baseline is. Yes. Right? Have you ever done youth ministry, Pastor Will? Uh, like college ministry? I've done some youth ministry. <laughs> Maybe too much. Maybe too much. Right. Yeah. So the reality is in college ministry, you get this all the time. Like, OK, the Bible says not to fornicate. What's fornication for real? Yeah, define like, that. Defi- I, what's the line? No one knows. <laughs> These are the grand mysteries of God. We can't really know. Like, the what's the line that I can get right up to right. and still say I didn't sin? Yeah. Right. And so I think that reminds me of those kind of conversations. It's it's asking how much can I get away with? Yeah. Right. It's it's asking wh- where is my wiggle room to do what I really want to do? Right. Um, well, still, okay, I'll give God what he wants to. Right. And yeah. so I think the, the it must I, you know, our church be or should I, do I have to, those questions to me just kind of trigger response of saying like, who's, whose church do you think this really is? Yes. Now, mind you, I say this as a church planter, right? Church planters go into the business because they got an idea for their church, right? Yep. Um, we didn't go to an established church. And so we, I mean, I, I say that looking at myself because I came in with ideas about what I wanted my church to look like. And we're going to do this different. We're going to do this different and all these other things. But I think it's a helpful diagnostic reminder just to just 
look at in the face and say, okay, this is God's church. What does God want? Yeah. That's my favorite question of all time. The leaders or anybody else. What does God want? And that that's the right question to be informing the answer to this question. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I heard a quote um, recently and it said some, some preach to eat and some eat to preach. And let me connect the dot here. Some, some preach to eat, some eat to preach, meaning some people are preaching just to be able to get food on the table. Mm -hmm. Right. But more than that, to be able to maybe get a certain type of recognition, accolade, whatever, but you're, you're in the, you're in the business, you're, you're in the ministry, not chiefly thinking about God's concern and God's aim, but it's just, it's just a job to you. Yeah. But I think when you start going to your point, what does God want? I'm doing this to be able to preach the gospel, the whole gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, then you start going, hey, I, I want to do everything he says. Yeah. Which to me leads to when we're going, must a church be diverse? In some ways, you have to know what a church is. Um, and just to ask, what's the difference between a church, what makes a church a church, and what makes it a healthy church? Mm. Um, you know, re- Reformed theologians and theologians over time have called it Benin Essay. What's the well-being or the the good being of something or just a thing when does it when is a thing no longer a thing Mm. you sit on that for a minute (laughs) you know what i'm saying like when you got you got your cereal when is it no longer what what has to change about its substance or its essence so that it is no longer it as applied to the church you think as applied to church church. you think and i love this conversation we're going to nerd out for a second y'all stay with us so you think there there are certain necessary elements where a building that has the name church in it can no longer be that. And there are some non-negotiable realities. Correct. Okay. Non-negotiables. Okay. Yep. Historically, it's been preaching and right discipline. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> preaching will would be right doctrine, right, right thinking. Discipline would be all the things that have to do with, yes, church discipline corrected, but formative discipling your people in the right direction. So. Yeah. You know, as we think about must the church be diverse, I think if you have to ask the question, does the Bible say that is a part of right preaching? Mm-hmm. And does it say it's an aspect of right discipline? Yeah. So I think that's the complicated thing because and right now we're, if you're frustrated, stick for the conversation because <laughs> we're, we're, we're complicating it so that we can understand it rightly. Right. Uh, but we're going to land the plane in a we second. So uh, must the church be diverse? The first complication is when we talk about church, we're talking about building. If we make the building kind of the nexus, that's maybe not as true today as it used to be. Yeah. Um, must, that word itself kind of implies maybe the heart posture not being in the right place. And so there's already two kind of, uh, you know, layers of complexity and nuance that we want to wade through. And I think you're, you're, you're kind of segueing into this this other one around man. Does the is there a Bible verse mm. that commands Christian leaders to make their church diverse? Mm. Pastor Will, is there one? Is there one? It's close. It's close. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you listen and you know why we're here, yeah, we clearly got thoughts. Clearly got thoughts. But I think again, the the impetus behind what we're doing right here is Ephesians four: make every effort. Following one through three. Yeah. One through three, beautiful, individualistic in some ways, salvation, though what God has done for us, the corporate ramifications of it in chapter two and into three, and then the mystery of the gospel, and where it says what? The manifold wisdom of God. Yeah. The purpose of the church, its intent is to display the multifaceted, multicolored. It's the same word used in the Greek Septuagint to talk about Joseph's multicolored coat. The multicolored wisdom of God 
to the heavenly places. Mm-hmm. So diversity displays God's glory, which is why we all here. Absolutely. And I would even go so far as to say that diversity, specifically the way we talk about here being right. a cross-culture church, is the byproduct of Christian character lived out in community. Mm, say that. I think I might say that again. Uh, I think diversity, specifically this cross-culture reality that we're leaning in, is the byproduct of Christian character lived out in community. Yes. So if you are truly living compassionate, loving, evangelistic, missional, submitted lives in America, especially in the South where we both are, that will by necessity produce the fruit of taking those who are far and bringing them near. Amen. In your life. Yeah. At your dinner table, in your organizations, in your outreach, in your missions, and they will show up on Sunday. And so... Must a church be diverse? I think there's some there's some complexities there between what do you mean by the church to using the building as a reference point? Must a church be diverse? Talking about the imperatives, trying to get away with what we want to do versus uh, really living submitted lives. But this last kind of nuance and complexity around is it is diversity a prime product or is it a byproduct? Mm, is like it that. something that we pursue or is it something that we get if we pursue the things that God tells us to pursue? Yeah. Right. And so to answer my own question, is there a a verse in the Bible that tells pastors to make their church diverse? Man, really close, really close. close. But just to just to be as charitable as I can to maybe those who are wrestling with this, I don't think you can point to just one verse and say, see, God says hire black people on your staff. Like God says, (laughs) sing different songs. Like, I don't think you can point to that verse. I think you can make the case. But if you look at the early church, diversity was the natural byproduct. It was. You see that in Acts after Pentecost. You see that in in Acts later on where they list the names of the elders of the church. You see the diversity there. And so you see the the eventual reality in uh, Revelation 7, which isn't a picture of the local church. It's a picture of the global church. But you, the fact that it's called out and named in such a way says that that's where we're going. And so, so Pastor, well, let's land the plane. Yeah. Let's land the plane. The people yeah. came for an answer. Yeah, right? they did. They, they saw the title of the podcast, Must the Church Be Diverse? They want an answer. What What is your definitive wading through the nuance answer for must the church be diverse? I would say a church, if a church is not diverse, nor is it pursuing it, it is not a healthy church. Mm. Can it be a church? Yes. Maybe. Yep. <laughs> I do think it can. I, yes. I'm not going to say it's not a church. Yes, for sure. But I am going to say that it's not a healthy church. And I think to to the original question you asked, yeah. if we're just going, okay, I want to exist in a state of unhealth, mm. something's terribly wrong. Yeah. If if I if if I'm allowing my body to decay and I'm letting cancer come in and I know it's cancerous, yeah. and I'm not going to do anything about it, something is terribly wrong. So I do not think a church can be a healthy church and not be pursuing this. You know, your point about the verse, the last thing I'll say, and then back to you, is um, as you read the Bible, there might not be a verse, but as you continue to ask that question in the text, mm-hmm. must the church be diverse? Should it be diverse? How should I live with people who are different than me? It might not be one mortal blow, but it's death by a thousand cuts. That's a good word. You know what I'm saying? That's so, a good word. But to you, must the church be diverse? <laughs> must the church be diverse? I would answer that question very similar to you. Um, and I would even, for those who are wrestling with this answer, think about it in, in terms that may be more familiar if you're a Christian leader. If someone were to ask you, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? 
I've heard you address this recently. Yeah. Do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Like you would have a nuanced answer to that question. Most mm-hmm. pastors would like, man, I'm not going to say you're going to go to hell if you don't go to church, but man, I am concerned for you. Right. That's right. Um, I, so I think that's my answer is if your church is leaning, is not leaning into making room for others, this cross-cultural reality, and actually, if you're leaning away from even realizing differences, talking about differences and making room for differences, I have the same concerns for a Christian at home reading his Bible on a Sunday morning as a church who is only focusing on things of the spirit devoid of any re- any cultural implications or applications. Yeah, I would be concerned. Mm. And so must the church be diverse? <sighs> no, no. But should a healthy church be doing and creating and cultivating the character so that it is diverse? Absolutely. Must. But like that that's the non-negotiable. And so and so yes, that's the that's the hard and fast answer is no, a church does not have to be, but if it's not, I have more questions and those questions are concerning. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so so we 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 landed pretty plain, but we, we said you can't be a healthy church if you're not doing these things. Mm-hmm. So that creates some tension though. Okay. For a Christian leader who's listening right now, because their church mm-hmm. might be diverse, might not be diverse. They might be asking, what do I do now? Oh yeah. They might be reading the Bible and seeing all these rich implications from the text and they go, what does this mean for me? Yeah, that, that could be tough. Uh, because if you're part of a church and say, man, you, you love your church. It's great. Maybe the church you grew up in, maybe the church has, has ministered to your soul in some ways, but you look around and you're like, man, we are the, the white Republican church right? or we're the black democratic church or we're the middle-class hippie independent. Like That's you right. look around and not only racially, but culturally, socially, politically, it's homogenous. And you have been once again, cut a thousand times by the words of scripture. And you are convicted to this, not be this way, especially when your friendships aren't that way. Your neighborhoods are different. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 the school that you go to, that your kids go to, the parents are different. And so your world is more diverse than your church. And you're wondering, okay, how do I make progress here? Mm-hmm. I would say two things. One, there is a structural reality and there's a relational reality. If you are a Christian leader in your church and you have a budget, mm. you probably have the ability to make some structural changes. Yes. And we're going to talk about exactly what those are in, in a couple of weeks. But you have the ability to change the policies, procedures, and realities of your church in some ways. But maybe you're a, a lay leader or a leader that doesn't have as you know as much control or say directly in a particular place. Well, you still have relational power. Yes. You still have the power to do something relationally through your church, but also in your life. Yes. Right. Don't have greater aspirations for your church than you do for your life. Mm. Say that. <laughs> I'm just, let me just float that, that might out just there. Slip by, but I'm just saying though, that's <laughs> like, don't have greater aspirations for your church than you do yeah, for your life. Yeah. Right. Don't want for your church to be more diverse than you are pursuing on your own, in your own life, marriage, school, Rhythms, kids, friendships, all that stuff. Because we have we have a tendency to point fingers mm-hmm. and to say, "You make my church diverse." Yeah, you make it. You make my church diverse. I want this hour on Sunday yeah. to be this picture of heaven. Or while I go back and retreat back to my. <laughs> or we think we can just go. We can yeah. find a one church in our city that's diverse, mm-hmm. and now we can attend. And so we've Check done all we need to do. <laughs> I did yeah. my part. You didn't do. You just showed up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Amen. You're like you just, bro, bro. You like you just showed up. So. So, no, I think it is. We have to yeah. recognize its implications for our own life. 
I yeah. appreciate I appreciate that. So there's something that everybody can do, right? Right. If you have a if you have a the power of the budget, if you can spend money in your church, if you employ people in your church, you need to be thinking not just relationally but structurally. Yes. You need to be asking the questions: Why don't people who are different feel comfortable coming back? Yeah. Because reality is, people come. They just come once, right? And they don't come back. And so why don't people feel comfortable coming back? You need to make some structural changes because you have the power to do so. Right. If we don't have the power to make structural changes in your church, there's still relational power that you can wield. You can compassionately, you know, encourage the leaders who do have those power to begin to think about those things. But in tandem with modeling that in your own life, because once again, you want to. You want to, this isn't just a, your church should be diverse. We're talking about a Christian character that produces diversity, right? That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. So if you get a bunch of Christians in one place who are embodying the character of the kingdom, that, that community should be diverse, mm-hmm. but so should your home. If right. you're embodying the characters of the kingdom, humility, gentleness, patience, making room and allowance for each other's faults, like that should also be true there. And so um, there is something that everybody can do, whether you have the power of the purse or you're a preacher or a leader or not, um, there's something that everybody can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you think about prophets and they, they were heralding a message that was often not listened to. And so, it, you know, th- there can be times when you need to make a different decision about mm-hmm. where you are. But I think at the same time, we first got to go, how am I being faithful with with what God has entrusted to me in the church that I am in, in the space that I am in, in the life, in the work, in the neighborhood, in the business, you know, how am I being faithful with what God has given me? Cause that's what he's going to hold you accountable to. Not the talents he's given somebody else, the talents he's given you. Yeah. So with your knowledge, what are you going to do with it? Cause he'll hold you accountable to the knowledge you have. Sure. So if you're aware of God's vision for the church, he's going to hold you accountable for that. Mm-hmm. And so you just ask yourself, okay, like what, well, what does this mean for me where I am? Absolutely. Final word for lead pastors. Ooh, here we go. Mm. All right. For if lead. you are a lead pastor, you're the guy on the website. You're preaching behind the podium every week. Give give us give us a nugget of gold for those who are lead pastors. Yeah. Um. You know, I think truthfully, this is this is nothing we haven't said. But I am thinking about First Peter chapter five and the type of leadership that an elder is supposed to model. Mm-hmm. And it says, "Don't lord it over them; basically, lead with coercion, but instead be an example to the flock." Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is what's in me right now. I love it. But Come lead on. pastors as a whole, I am one, and so often our mouth is ten miles down the road farther than our life, Oof. and. So my word is not, and I, I, in some ways I wish the word was, you need to do this, invest in this thing, start <laughs> yeah. doing this from the pulpit. Like in some ways, like, and there is stuff we, again, we want to talk about it, mm-hmm. but truthfully it is live it, yeah. believe it in your core to where you cannot get it out. Mm-hmm. Eat to preach the whole gospel, yeah. feed yourself, feed your people. Yeah. What about <laughs> you, Philip? I, I, it's very, very similar, man. I think um, I have a temptation just being vulnerable here. To, to feel like I've obeyed the word of God if I faithfully preach the word of God. And it's not the same. It's just, it's just not the same. But I, I but I faithfully preached it. I might have felt like I killed that sermon. Right. That don't mean I, I, I'm exempt from not living it. Yeah. Just because I've told everyone else how they should live. And so uh, on this issue and many other issues, uh, I would say exactly what you just said, man. Pastors, lead pastors. Don't expect more from your church. Than you expect from your own life. Yeah. Right. Don't don't uh, push uh, harder than you're pushing yourself. 
But also, I would also say this moment is going to need courage. Mm. Um, pastoring in general, not just on embracing a cross culture in your church, but pastoring in general, declaring thus saith the Lord mm. and discipling people to embody that truth in their own lives is going to require an increasing amount of courage. So this is maybe something that you have to lead in and you can't collaborate your way out of. Wow. You can't committee your way out of this. You can't, uh, you know, survey, pull your way out of this. This may be one of the areas we have to lead your church. There you go. It's not what that means may look different, but you got to lead. Mm-hmm. You got to say, this is where we're going. You have to paint a picture of the desired future and take necessary, courageous, compassionate steps to get there. Yes. Yes. Is that good? That kind of work can't just be delegated now. Oh, man. Don't start it a can't, committee. It, Don't can't start be a, it can't be a B priority. Absolutely. It's got to be A. Family, uh, man, I hope this conversation was helpful for you. Must a church be diverse? Hopefully we've given you some things to know, think about, and be encouraged by. Man, y'all, t- y'all catch up with us next week as we continue the conversation. There we go. Take care. Hey, thanks for joining our conversation today. This podcast is a resource of the Cross Culture Collective. If you want to learn more about who we are or what we're up to, you can visit us online at crossculturecollective.com or on all the socials at the Cross Culture Collective.